Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Players NIL podcast and my special guest today, Andrew Miskevich. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Mark. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm excited too, because uh, as I just told you uh, in the preempt that uh, I have an experience and an exposure to Olympic sport athletes and the struggle that they go through. And so my, my appreciation level is very high and I want to support those athletes and I want to tell stories and we tell stories here about athletes that have used athletics to better their life that's the first principle of our business so, but before we get there Andrew tell me a little bit about your childhood your exposure to athletics your sports that you were a fan of maybe there was an athlete or player someone you follow but give us a little deep dive into your family history and your personal history with athletics all right yeah cool um my parents are immigrants from Poland um and they came over when my mom was about five months pregnant with me to new york where i was born um but we did quite a lot of traveling around not kind of like a military kid but not um because of like visa issues with my father so i just spent some time like five six years in canada and everyone in canada plays hockey so at a very early age i got my ice skates on um until we moved to boston when i was around eight years old nine years old and that's when I started playing tennis. I started playing soccer. Um, and then through my love of Star Wars, and I still do, as much of an athlete I am, still a geek and a, and a nerd inside. Um, my brother and I used to beat each other with toy lightsabers. My parents said that's enough and signed us up for fencing. The rest is history. Wow, that's, that's a great answer. So I wrote down a couple of things here. College athlete, NCAA champion, Olympian, Traveler, Star Wars fanatic is what I wrote down, <laughs> and currently a DJ. So all of those things are covered. Um, so you, you, you're obviously a believer in multiple sports and diversity. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. For So your answer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So I read something about an opportunity came up athletically when you were 15 that you were able to take advantage of a position on a – on a team that really launched your fencing career. When was it that you realized that fencing could take you places literally and figuratively in the world? And was there an aha moment? Was it an experience? Was it a positive or a negative, maybe a win, a loss? What was it that motivated you to use athletics in this particular case, fencing, um, to propel you to where you are today? Man, um, I think at the age of 15, I don't think any 15-year-old really thinks long-term and too far into the future. <laughs> but growing up in fencing, it was a little tough. I had a bunch of peers within the sport uh, that I got through like the countless, countless driving and traveling for competitions with my parents. Um, but I wasn't particularly good until the end of my eighth grade going to high school where I went to a camp in Portland, Oregon, and worked with a profound coach and kind of described things and changed things um, of how I thought about fencing. Went to my first competition internationally because not a lot of people signed up. So I got lucky to go and um, going from not winning anything um, and never making a result, I got bronze at my first 16 and under World Cup. And that's when things just kind of clicked for me in the sport. And, you know, one thing led to another and uh, just having the high of doing well in competitions kind of propelled me forward. 
it's uh in a positive way like a drug right yeah 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 i'm going to admit that i don't know a lot about fencing i'm going to assume that our audience doesn't know a lot about fencing what are the physical characteristics what are the skills that you need to be a good fencer i like to explain it as the physical game of chess um, within a few seconds, you know, someone scores a touch. And within those few seconds, you need to not just understand how your body's going to move within touch to touch, but also your opponents. So it's kind of like dancing and tennis mixed together, where you're constantly thinking of your opponent's movement and your own as well. So what is the physical training that you do for that? You know, weightlifting, stretching, are there specific exercises or muscle groups that you try to build for this? I would say legs and core is the most important for fencing. You need to, you know, kind of like a uh, Formula One car, right? You need to stay low to the ground so you can change directions really quickly. You don't want to be, you know, stiff and staying up tall like a truck and, you know, topple over on your own feet. <laughs> so legs and core is really important. Um, there's a lot of like cross training, uh, plyometrics, not so much on like heavy loading weights, right? You're not trying to be a tight end in football, Um so you want to be kind of like Bruce Lee and like a tennis player. You want to be light on your feet, be able to change direction, but also uh, sustain some like uh, explosive power, uh, which comes with the cross training as well. What are the mental aspects? So you got the physical under control. What are the mental things and how do you train for a sport like fencing and particular your version, Sabre? Uh, uh you <laughs> patience is a virtue okay um, i'll say that um and just having a winning mentality you know if you look at all the best athletes in the world from uh kobe bryant michael jordan to you know Djokovic for any tennis um fans um you know you gotta have that like winner instinct um mm -hmm. and turn every uh, downside to an upside um, and just keep going. You got to keep fighting until the whistle's blown until the final uh, touch is scored. Yeah. Well said. I think most athletes would agree with that regardless of the sport, but perhaps a sport like fencing a little bit more patience is, is a need. How'd you get to Penn state and why'd you go to Penn state? Uh, man. Um, <laughs> it feels like it's such a long time ago. Um, I, was doing very well throughout high school where I was making world national teams uh, for my age group and older age groups, respectfully. And it came to a point where I was one of the hottest prospects in the country for fencing. So I had a lot of options where to go. Um, but at the time, Penn State was the powerhouse of fencing. We had the most national titles out of any sport in the country, um, for the record. Uh, and I took a lot of pride in that. And I wanted to be with a school that um achieved high and it was a standard to to go there and, and achieve you know everyone had the same mentality going there which is to win and being an athlete and wanting to be a winner it was like a no-brainer for me to go there also helped with like the athletic scholarship um but yeah well you probably could have got that anywhere but it's a great school it's a great sports school but you're an Olympic uh, sport athlete you know you're not playing football and basketball some of the you know the sports are on tv all the time How'd you deal with that? You see all these athletes that are getting all these accolades. They're on television. They're signing professional contracts. They have all kinds of, you know, professional opportunities afforded them. You're in a minor sport in terms of popularity. 
people don't know what it is. Probably didn't have a hundred thousand people watching you in the stadium when you competed. What was that like? And how did you manage that? And how did you tell yourself that what you were doing was important? Um, I wouldn't say it's, it was an easy decision. Um, around junior year of college is when I kind of I hit a wall and I was thinking, um, you know, what are the pros and cons of like continuing with the sport, right? Like you mentioned, Mark, it's not a popular sport. It's a very small niche sport of a very small population. And there isn't much money in it. And so as a junior, I was thinking, is this something I want to continue? How am I going to support myself if I do? Um, or do I follow like, you know, the natural, more orthodox uh, situation of like just ending uh, my sport after college and going to a professional career? Um, and it was a time where I needed to sit down and really plan long term how I'm going to support myself and support my dreams and kind of figure a career space outside of sports because um, we're not going to be able to compete throughout all of our life. Uh, so that was a big, big um, importance. And it was it was a little difficult. I mean, you know, you're 20, 21 years old thinking, you know, how it's a massive uh, undertaking and, you know, how are you going to juggle these multiple balls to achieve everything you want in, you know, all different corners? Well, thank you for sharing. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's heartfelt and I, and I, and I can see that and I appreciate that. At the Players NIL, our company, we're trying to educate athletes about how to use this platform called Name, Image, and Likeness, NIL is the acronym, to better their lives and create opportunities. And, uh, you know, certainly within your sport, you're an icon, right? You're an NCAA champ, you're Olympic team, you're on world teams, you travel the world. There are kids in your sport that look up to you. Now that your college career is over, you have to support yourself. Tell us about what you're doing today. I know you're training for the 2024 Paris Olympics, but how are you supporting yourself? How are you using athletics to better the lives of the people around you? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. I think you're having involvement with the Paralympic Committee. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I'll start with what I'm doing right now. Um, so besides my training and whatnot, and I definitely don't have the normal orthodox schedule um, like my counterpeers, um, I work... A, I work at Sony Music Entertainment, Ceremony of Roses, um, as a global digital sales manager. Um, and it's kind of like a Bruce Wayne kind of Batman kind of situation where I work, you know, my job during the day and then at night I'm training. Um, so my day is kind of rigorous where, I, you know, like I said, I work nine to five, nine to six, go to practice, training, come back, and I'm going to bed around like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock and crashing, doing the same thing over and over again. Um, I love it. It's, uh, chaotic at times, but you know, it's a go-getter mentality. And, you know, if you want to achieve things in life, you kind of not be afraid to get your hands dirty. I'd like to say. Well, there is the old adage that if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Right. And so, uh, you know, time management is what you learn in athletics, right? Whether it's classwork or schedule, social, whatever it is. So, Congratulations. You know, we, we watch the Olympics every four years. I've been a fan of the Olympics for a long time. We see these athletes competing, and, and I don't think the general public understands the sacrifice that they make and the commitment and the support of their family and friends and, and mentors and all of that type of thing. But my hat's off to you. Congratulations on all of that. It's, it's, it's really special. And um, Name, image, and likeness. It's essentially empowered athletes to use this platform to create all these opportunities. What is your 
take on name, image, and likeness? How are you embracing the creator mode? How are you embracing the influencer world to try and support your dream and, and build your career? Yeah, absolutely. And I know for a lot of young athletes, this whole space can be really ambiguous. It's relatively new. Um, I would advise to swim in these uncharted territories with caution, um, but definitely make the most out of it. Um, even for someone like me who's in small niche sport, uh, you'll be surprised with just um, your determination, um, how to maneuver in this space. And I like to say your network is your net worth, right? So it's very important as, as an athlete to kind of get your name out there and get your story out. A lot of people think that you need to be a big time athlete um, and have a huge following to kind of hone in on this NIL. But the most important thing is just being authentic. Um, if you're able to cultivate a community around your brand it is a lot more important than having a ton of following with no like backbone of a story. So my biggest advice is stay authentic, have a unique niche and story to yourself and um, wear that with pride, you know, and go forward in the NIO space with that. Awesome. Great advice. If people want to follow your story, if they want to contribute to your journey, where can they find you? Website, social media, how do they find Andrew Mikevich? Um, I would say just my socials. Um, find me on Instagram. It's pretty quick. Just at Andrew Miskevich. Um, have a Twitter and everything, but for the most part, I use my Instagram as my social and kind of laying out the map of what's going on in my life and as I continue for Paris 2024. That brings me to my last question. What are the steps going forward? Are there U.S. team trials? Are there world championships? There wouldn't be world championships, I guess, in an Olympic year, but what is the competitive schedule between now and Paris? Just a lot of Olympic qualifications, Mark. Uh, yeah, our first one in October, and uh, there's a series of national competitions that qualify for the Olympics and a series of international. And um, this time in March, we'll have confirmation for top four in the country uh, for my respective weapon and gender of who's going to Paris. All exciting things between now and then. Well, you've been a great guest. You've offered amazing advice. And I think for young people in any sport to listen to your story and look up to you and, and listen to your lessons and words of wisdom is fantastic. So I want to thank you for that. And um, we obviously wish you nothing but the best of luck, uh, personally and professionally. And uh, we hope to uh, to see you in Paris. Thank you so much, Mark.